You're listening to Future Tense, the AI show that demystifies the world of artificial intelligence and tells you what you need to know. Join Jeff Joyce and Julia McCoy live right now. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Jeff Joyce. Hey, hey, I'm Julia McCoy. Thank you so much for being here. Today's going to be kind of an unconventional episode. I think that today and also the episode we have later on this week will be a little bit unconventional, but bear with us. We're in the, in the we're transitioning right now, and also we have some events going on. Um, but we're really excited to be with you here today. We have some news to go over. And uh, Julia, how's your move going? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, um, literally before we hit go live, I was I was um, looking at my phone and I had an emergency. Our new nanny um, just let me know that the baby is completely without diapers and she has no way to get to diapers. So I was like, hold on, chef. There's a diaper <laughs> emergency. So we got through that. But that's like been one in I feel like a million different. Whoa. And, you know, it's hard to predict what will happen in a move. But this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, we moved a thousand miles from Texas to Arizona. And should we talk mm -hmm. a little bit about why? Because I feel like that's something you listening actually want to know about. I know I've gotten questions, DMs. What are you doing? Can I meet you in Scottsdale? I'm here for a mastermind. Sorry. No, I'm hot and sweaty. You don't want to see me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the reason why we're all, Absolutely. including Jeff, is moving. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. So our founder uncovered something and it's almost like a new invention in ai and we're here to help him build it and make it happen i think that's all we should say what do you think jeff yeah we don't want to go too deep into it we want to keep our cards close to our chest but it is something that will be revolutionary and i think that when people actually get their hands on it they're going to be very impressed yes it's going to revolutionize not just content i i will share that not just content um but that's where it all started for this company was content, which is amazing. It's the hardest thing in marketing to do. So to master that with AI is quite a feat and you still need a human. That's why we teach the craft framework. Uh, but to be able to do what we're looking at building this summer and this um, year is going to revolutionize basically how you open your computer and do work. So it's going to be incredible just to be able to be a part of this. So that's why I'm moving. I don't believe we can do it remotely. I think that this is not a project you just assign to somebody and you get it done on a certain date. Um, it is dependent on the ideas of a few people that are inspired to do this. So we got to get those people together in a room and we got to build all year. So that's what I see. And that's why I moved out here because I believe in what we're doing, our team so much that I'm here. It's not been easy. Nothing good is, but that said, I'm really happy to be here. So with that, Jeff, should we go into yeah. AI news? Yeah, and, and actually other. what you were just talking about kind of leads us into our very first article, which I really wanted to get your opinion on. Since you've been in the SEO space and been running a content writing agency and so forth, I really wanted to show this search engine journal article. Let me go ahead and show my screen. It always shows me tool tips every single time I want to share my screen. I have to stop it from doing that. <laughs> All right. Can you see my screen? Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. So this article says, will AI replace SEO professionals? Generative Ooh. AI tools seem smart, but lack the wisdom and experience needed for effective SEO. Here's why people uh, still must be at the helm. What do you think mm -hmm. about that, Julia? Well, um, can I say that what we're building? <laughs> completely. So, you know, I would initially, I would completely agree with this author. And I'm sure there's somebody with a lot of background experience because Search Engine Land pulls those kind of people as columnists. And so there, these authors are coming in with sometimes 20 years of experience. So you have to understand when you read these articles, not just the headline, but the author's point of view. And so the author's point of view is often the reason for that headline. But here's like, here's the dinger. That author's point of view is not often the actual truth about AI. I had a point of view, you know, when ChatGPT came out and I changed my point of view when I basically got real and I saw that this thing is going to replace what I did for a decade and so I think we get a lot of these headlines from experts and not at all to diminish their skill set. These are amazing, highly skilled people. But their point of view is, well, AI will never replace what I do. 
or what this task is because that task is so specialized. And I would say give it like six to eight to nine months and we're going to see this whole landscape change completely. And I'm, it could be a little bit longer than that, but I think it's moving so rapidly. I mean, on our last episode, we talked about a successful AI brain chip implant. That's the first time in history. And they've been working towards that the last few years and it successfully happened. This person's walking around like they're recovering. <laughs> We're living in back to the future days. So I don't think it, this is where we settle. That's a good perspective from a very, you know, highly expert expert. Uh, but it's not the point of view that could be evergreen. It's not something that will be true in the months and years to come. I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I, I forget who said it, but somebody we're talking to somebody and they said that AI will replace bad writers. They'll replace bad SEOs. And in that instance, if like, if you're a, if you're a poor writer, yeah, you have to be worried about AI and then we'll get to a point to where it will, people will have to reskill, but it will. And this is like a common theme for most of our episodes is just that you have to use it as a companion tool and eventually it'll get good enough to where you can probably just post articles right out the gate but one of the points that they bring up um is that you can't write new content with ai and to a point i agree with that you can't write new content with ai however and the reason for that let me back up is because these models are only trained to a certain date so they only have information yeah. from whatever the cutoff date was from their learning their learning regiment but what you can do is you can actually feed the AI new information and have it write for you based off that information. It can still make inferences based on the data that you're giving it in order to make an educated guess at the probability of what that output possibly could be and what it could look like, overall improving your writing. So yes, technically it can't, it doesn't it doesn't source that information, but you can still provide it that information to get high quality output. It's like the whole thing of uh, you put really good content in, you get really good content out. You put really bad content in, you're going to get really bad content out. Mm, so true. And then you have tools like Continent Scale that have a real-time SERP analyzer. Mm -hmm. So they're going and looking at search results real-time and parsing that down and putting that in the process of what the LLM is doing. So I think that is, you know, a shameless plug here. I don't have my sarcastic AI read up <laughs> we can do that too but continent scale is a solution for that limitation because it has that additional technology built in mm -hmm. and this is the worst it's ever going to be like it's yeah. only going to get better ai is like uh, people look at it at, at ai the way that it is right now which is you know it's kind of bumbles around um but I mean, this definitely is the worst it's going to be. And it's just going to continuously compound the amount of time that's going to take for it to get better. And it's going to impress us all. I think that, like you, you said, six to nine months, and I have to agree. Six to nine months, it seems pretty far away, but it's going to come up really fast. I, I don't see GPT-5 being that far behind. I've released this year. We have um, Google rebranding, which actually leads us to another story, Google rebranding Bard to Gemini. And one of the thoughts that I have yes. about that is that um, Bard was such a lackluster release that <laughs> they had they had to re just like rebrand it and say, well, this is uh, our new AI called Gemini. <laughs> so <laughs> let me go ahead and pull up pull up this article. Yep. Have you have you heard about that, Julia? Good old Google. <laughs> Doing what Google does best. <laughs> so the headline for this is Google reportedly rebranding Bard to Gemini, adding advanced description service. Maybe may the best all-in-one AI assistant win because they really are trying to compete with ChatGPT at this point. Hmm. Yes. Yes. So, um, Jeff, can you still see and hear me? Uh, everything's frozen on my end. Uh, I can hear you, but I see it visually that you're just laughing. It's just a smile. <laughs> your head's kind of to the side with a big old smile. <laughs> so, if you're an, so if you're an audio listener, just understand that Julia is very, very happy right now. She's a big smile on her face and she's really excited for Google's Gemini. <laughs> 
<laughs> there we go. We're back. <laughs> so this tweet from Dylan, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I mispronounced the name, Rouso, Rose. It's like Russell, but with R-O-U, Russell. <laughs> Bard will soon be renamed to Gemini. The change log also contains mention of Gemini apps, which seems to be a way for Google to gather Gemini Web and Gemini Mobile under the same name. And in case you're curious, Bard Advance will be Gemini Advanced. So uh, let's go down here a little bit further. We pull up the tweet. So this is the change log for it. And the date on this is the February 7th, which is when the plan releases. This is a, I believe it's a leak, right, Julia? The, it is correct. This is a leak. Uh, first seen on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So Bard is now Gemini. And so it's going to bring a whole suite of new features into Google Bard. And it's supposed to be a better model than what the, because they, they did bring Gemini to Bard. Um, it was like last month. And while it was good, it wasn't as good as like something like GPT-4. Um, yeah, but now we I see agree. that they're, they're really trying to compete. They're really trying to put as much emphasis onto building out Gemini to be this competitor against ChatGPT. And whether or not they'll succeed, I have no clue. I, 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 I want <laughs> Google to, to provide some competition. I want them to start building you know, into their web apps, like their, their Gmail, their Docs, or uh, their Sheets, and really like flush it out completely to where it's all one interface. Calendar, please, Ooh. Google, calendar. <laughs> Give me AI calendar, please. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. It's interesting though, because I feel like we're seeing another Google graveyard event. I mean, goodbye, Bard. And it's mm -hmm. now Gemini, and Bard's, I guess, completely not even going to go for it anymore at all. So it's interesting right. to see how Google just, okay, idea, millions of dollars, trash. Idea, millions of dollars, trash. <laughs> yep. But that they, said, the Gemini, you know, I think there's a lot of hope there. Well, yeah, they had that that whole controversy about uh, Bard's vision, or I should say Gemini's vision capabilities, where it's able to like actually do stuff in real time using its vision technology, like identify objects and solve problems, all, all this stuff. It was really, really cool, really cool presentation, but there's a lot of uh, feedback that came forward with the, the video kind of being faked. It was kind of staged and set up for it to look really, really good. But unfortunately, that result that we got out of Bard just didn't match up with what they were showcasing. So they absolutely needed to rebrand Bard to something that was <laughs> completely different. And I think that it's a smart strategic move. and but it's kind of, I feel like a little bit too late that they've already mm. established themselves as having that type of reputation with AI in general to where I don't see it being, unless they absolutely like release a model that is like 10 times more capable than GPT-4 and release a, a whole slew of tools that make it better for businesses to, you know, use AI and generative AI features in their businesses. I don't foresee it being like that much of a competitor, at least at first, you get like 12, 16 months awesome but I'm, I'm rooting for them agreed agreed they've really mastered search but ai they are struggling and we see it firsthand with sge which no one seems to be a fan of yet in its current state and bard when it came out of the gate there were comparisons direct comparisons between it and ChatGPT, and ChatGPT was by far i would say like five times more creative on average when you prompted it to write some lyrics or poetry so it was just it was hard it's been hard for them to catch up but that said i still think there's a lot of hope i mean this is google after all yeah they do have quite a bit of money behind them and yeah. you know their search engine and youtube both power you know a ton of content so Exactly. Um, let's see here. Should we head into the, um, <clears throat> there's some controversial content we got here. Uh, um, <laughs> the Apple Vision Pro and all that stuff. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's do there? that. Okay, let's do it. All right, so I'm going to screen share. Over this weekend, I've seen, I don't know about you guys, we're recording this Monday, February 5th. But I have actually seen an explosion of people in my feed on Instagram, um, even celebrities and influencers taking pictures of other people. I've seen an explosion of people wearing this headset. So this is 
the Apple Vision Pro. And Jeff, you were telling me how much it is. Do you remember what that was, what that number was? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, $3,500. Woo! Oh my gosh. But look at this. So this is my friend Jay Owen sharing my screen. If you're, I'll describe it if you're on the audio stream. And he's looking at his kitchen desk, except... He's looking at Zoom on the right, calling his team members. He's looking at his calendar on the left, his task, his CMS, project management system. And I mean, the screen in front of him, and this is like completely virtual. It looks like a hologram effect. The screen in front of him has like, it's really cool because it looks like everything is there in front of you versus you know, on a physical monitor, we're just limited to the four corners. So I actually really like this view and what I'm seeing. Um, and he's got himself in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks a lot better over here on the left. But he has been playing with this for all of his work. He said that Sunday night he was outside on his patio. Um, enjoying the breeze with his headset on getting work done. <laughs> he didn't have to touch a single keyboard. He didn't have to really do anything. He was just, you know, actually um, using the air. And then that leads me to the next point that I want to screen share as well. And if you're listening to this, I think it's a good question to ask yourself what you think of this, because I'm telling you, like Jeff and I have said, I really want you to realize, if you realize one thing from listening to our podcast, realize how fast this technology is coming at us. It's going to change our lives. It's going to change our children's lives. We're going to be looking at a completely new world. And I would bet my entire brand new house on it in the next five years. Like, it's not serious. We are progressing at such a rapid pace. But this is what I also saw on the weekend from an influencer I follow. I really like her, Cody Sanchez. She runs a um, entrepreneur school. So this is what she, <laughs> what she said. And Jeff, I guess we're at episode seven now. Is it mm -hmm. we can actually use our explicit rating? <laughs> I'm going to read her actual caption. So she's like, here's to more of this first photo and less of the second video. And I'll share it if you're looking at my screen and then I'll describe it. And then she says, <laughs> also men wear this in public if you hate women and sex <laughs> all right so here we go here's the footage she's sharing so this is a tesla Cybertruck, and the person inside has a headset on and their hands are in the air <laughs> So a few things to note about this, the Apple Vision Pro is that it is, you can see through it. It basically, it's taking a, a video image and projecting it to you. But at the same time, it's showing your eyeballs on the outside of the screen. And going back to the picture that you had, um, one of your friends, the image on the left of him was actually an AI avatar that was created of him. That one right there, <laughs> the image on the left is the AI avatar version of him. And when he talks and moves his eyeballs and makes his like, facial expressions, it'll change. But it, it's almost a little creepy. Like it's like it kind of looks like you, but it's like a if anybody's played like an old like PS PlayStation 2 game, it kind of looks like that a little bit. It gives that like little silhouette and like soft features of like polygons i don't know how to put it but that's what it looks like it looks like fine art yeah <laughs> like airbrushed like you went to like a street vendor and they're just like yeah i'll paint you just come here the 10 bucks <laughs> they paint you and that's what it looks like yeah like some mural in italy by a vineyard that's where i would expect to see this not mm -hmm. an ar ai avatar but i feel like that gives it a softness versus you know like a lot of times when we look at a robot depicted in a movie or um, even a picture for a headline that's been generated by AI, the picture is very, it's harsh. It's harsh to mm -hmm. look at. So it's interesting how this AI avatar has like this fine art feel making it um, cosmetically appealing to look at. But then like you look at Jay on the right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's not flattering you're looking up his nose you know he's hunched over <laughs> looking into the headset 
Jay, you if you're this, I love you. You just imagine every single person just using these. Yeah, I think it would be a little ridiculous. Like we're, we're already doing this yeah. so much that we're looking down at our phones. Just yes. to have that level of disconnect of being like everybody only views things through these goggles. I don't, I don't know. It's it's a oh. future that I I definitely don't want. But you know, it's that's an opinion. Like whatever the market's going to decide whether or not that's going to be you know, the future and we'll see what happens. I'm betting against it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there was another viral photo or um, Jay's wasn't viral, but it was actually very informative to see how he's using it. Like the patio on a Saturday night. And he was like, this is such a non-interruptive way to do my work. But then you see the photo he's taken through the headset and like his nine-year-old daughter is sitting there on the couch, you know, not even five feet away from him. <laughs> and I'm just like, how much of the human are we removing? And I think we have to, we just have to be careful about that because in the end we do walk on a physical earth with real people that we need to build relationships with and we can't mm -hmm. be an absent parent. And I know Jay is not, I have a lot of, a lot of trust in him. He's an amazing business builder, founder, family man. So I don't think he's going to be the person that just, you know, puts the headset on and, leaves and is not there even when he's there for hours and hours and that's what i am talking about where it's just you kind of see people completely zoned out they're not in real life anymore that's very unhealthy that's bad for your brain your eyes all eye strain oh my gosh don't get me started but there was a viral photo on x and i'll just describe it um, where <laughs> a father was holding, I kid you not, his newborn. And he had his head, the newborn was asleep. P precious picture. He's got his head tilted back against a pillow. He's resting and he's got the headset on. And he's like, I just watched a three-hour movie with my newborn <laughs> right here. And it was the best experience ever. <laughs> and let me tell you, the replies to that thread on X were... Oh my gosh, I've never seen people so getting behind a polarizing point of view where there was the, I would say 90% of the replies were <laughs> completely anti that tweet that's to the point where they were saying, you know, as a father, you're missing some of the most precious moments in your daughter's life that you will never get back again. You need to take that headset off and sniff her hair. <laughs> <laughs> you won't get those minutes back <laughs> so it's interesting True. to see you know when you said the market decides and that's really where this will land um you know metaverse when it first rolled out and they were looking at hiring a hundred thousand employees it was kind of a bust this was 2020 2021 and so it didn't go the way zuckerberg predicted he thought it would have rapid um embracement by the mass popularity or um population at large sorry my kids walking around and i got voicemails going off I'm a little distracted <laughs> i'm like oh we just moved somewhere five days ago anyway so it didn't take off because the population at large was like this isn't healthy for us and you know i remember when the metaverse was just it was in every headline and people were starting to invest in it, actually buy land in the metaverse. And I had considered it. And I saw all over social media, the people, not the headlines, because it's interesting to watch the people's reaction, the replies on X, just as much as it is to watch the viral tweets. And what were these people saying? Uh, I, can, I didn't read one positive. And I looked for hours. I didn't read one positive comment about the metaverse and the lack of human touch because that's what it did it removed human touch and that was actually zuckerberg's selling point because covid had just happened we were under mass mandates there was a six feet you know restriction between people so that had just happened and so he was using that as a way to sell the metaverse oh you can see your loved ones without even needing to be in the same room the hate he got <laughs> People don't really want that. And so that's where I think the adaption of these headsets taking you away from reality isn't something people may quickly adapt to in the end because we want the fresh air. We want real life with each other. Absolutely. And that's one thing I'm finding out, though, is that it is generational. So we have Gen Z that Ooh. is advocating really, really hard for generative AI. 
that we can see a younger generation come through where their preferred method of interacting with people is through a headset. Um, But for me, I know when when, when we're in Austin and we're all sitting up on on this beautiful uh, rooftop uh, and we're all talking about the future of AI and where everything is headed. um, One of the things that I said that would come about from AI is that it enables us, it frees up time for us to pursue things like establishing better connections with our coworkers, their family members, with everybody that's around us and pursue the things that we're actually interested in once things are, you know, fully, fully automated and we have an abundance of time. We gain back our time. We win it back from, um, from everything. It really allows that passion to put, to kind of come through and really establish those connections. And I don't think that we can achieve that with wearing a headset. I don't think we can achieve that by being virtual. Yeah. I think it, it is like moving, moving to, to, to Arizona again. I completely understand the the benefits of working remotely, but something about being in person with a group of people and working on something that you're also passionate about is yeah. uh, it's it's amazing. It's a great feeling. It's just like it's something that pulls you and takes you through, and it, you're you're all working together. It's it's a an amazing experience that I I hope that everybody gets you know the chance to do in their lifetime. Um, but I don't think that headsets can provide that. Unfortunately, I don't think that remote can provide that. It's something that has to be in person. You know, it's interesting how we are actually moving our families, our houses, our lives. For me, it's a thousand miles away. I know for you, it's a distance too. And then we got people in England and Australia moving their lives and their families from even greater distances. But we're working in AI. So why are we doing that? Because we don't believe we can achieve what we need to achieve remotely. And that week you referenced in Austin, Jeff, that was one of my favorite weeks out of the year working in the team um, because, you know, I had a good friend who I was talking about founder in Austin. He's like going from remote to in-person is the biggest difference that you will ever experience in a work environment. And it's the best difference. He's like, you know, when you're on these calls and you're looking at your computer, the energy drains, you're tired after when you're in person sitting in an office, the energy actually increases and uplifts you. And so for that, those two polar opposites, like, I want to feel energized and excited at the end of my day, not drained and tired. And so Mm -hmm. that's another reason why, you know, we're settling in to build something. It's going to take time. I'd much rather do it in person. It's going to be way more fun, (laughs) way less boring. (laughs) So here we are working in AI, moving so we can work on AI in person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, remotely working, just feels like kind of like you're completing a to-do list. Right. Yes. And then when you're when you're in person, it's like a a work of passion. Like it's like as long as you you love what you're doing. If you love what you're doing, like it, it's mm-hmm. it's yes. you you bring so much energy. Everybody brings so much energy that we have a killer team of people that are all passionate and just excited to move forward. And it's an amazing feeling. Um, but I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on that. We do have more news for everybody. Um, Do it. And, on that same vein of talking about Apple, uh, in a previous episode, we were talking about that I hoped Apple would, you know, start working on AI and kind of incorporating it into their phones. And we got a headline here that says, uh, Tim Cook teases Apple AI announcement later this year. Mm-hmm. Now, there isn't a lot of details, but Julia, if you had to make a wish list of like, two to three things that you think they would come, they'd want to come to your phone or maybe your watch or anything like that. That's Apple, an Apple device. What would those be? Mm. You know, what would be interesting is if they could blend AI into more predictive next steps. Like if I'm going to drive my kid to her school and then I need to get to my office, you know, that's one way. And I know like there's some of that a little bit in maps, Apple maps, um, Google Maps too, but it's not done really well. And I think artificial intelligence could totally be a game changer for the predictive nature of, I wanna go from here to here, or it's 5 p.m., my blood sugar's low, hey, have you eaten? If not, here's five restaurants that you like to eat, starting with true food, not in and out (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's not get started on the in and out debate. (laughs) <laughs> For those listening, Julia is despises in and out, and Justin and a few other of us here at Continent Scale, we absolutely love In and Out. <laughs> it is the best burger. 
It's horrible. It tastes like cardboard. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> but what if it could do that? And then, um, you know, for example, my nanny was basically went through an emergency with my one-year-old today where there wasn't a way for her to go get diapers. And there wasn't even a way for her to order it through her app. Like she had a situation going on. So I had to open Instacart, find the nearest store near her that could deliver it within the quickest amount of time. And like the amount of manual work I still had to do to do that. It would just be interesting. I think if there was predictive next steps for the things you want to do, um, if they brought AI to that, but I'd be interested to see what you would also want, Jeff, because I know you're on Apple devices as well. Yeah, I made the switch last year and I'm I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> I think the it's Apple AI switch. couldn't Yeah, I think Apple AI could definitely enhance that. One of the things that I think that would be the biggest thing for me is to have like an always listening mode, not necessarily like audible listening, but like it always pays attention to what I'm doing on my phone and then create automatically creates tasks for me based off of the inputs that it sees. <laughs> and if I'm on a Mac OS, it also does the same thing. And then the very next day, it compiles the calendar, maybe it goes through all of my emails, summarizes everything that I need and presents it to me as soon as I wake up in the morning. It's like, here's your to-do list. Here's the high, highest priority task for you. Here's a subtask. This is what your, your schedule looks like. Don't forget to do these things and then automatically plan out the day for me. I think that is huge. Like that, that it takes all that, that, uh, mm that focus from like the previous day of being like, okay, let me, you know, set, make sure my calendar is right. Make sure I have all my tasks for the next day. It takes all that manual work out of the way and lets you focus on what's important and those high value tasks. So if it can distinguish between like, this is a high value task versus is a low value task, maybe you can push that one to the next day and it allows you to focus on it. If you need more time on it, then you say, Hey, Hey Siri, I need more time on this task. And uh, my Siri turned on. <laughs> <laughs> They're already goes, doing it. Question yeah, it answered, goes, Jeff. <laughs> it said, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking to me. Um but yeah, that's that's definitely something that would be game changing, in my opinion, for especially for me. And I know there's gonna be I and let us know in the comments too. If you're watching on YouTube or watching on a platform that or listening on a platform that you're able to leave comments, let us know. What would what would you like to see on Apple devices in the form of AI? Yes, we'd love to hear. Okay, let me see here. We did have some articles that we also didn't go over. Um, yes, we from, did. But before I even do that, I want to share something that was pretty, pretty funny to me. Uh, I shared it this morning uh, in our Slack, actually, and I found it really hilarious. Um, give me one second to pull it up. And for you audio listeners, I'm, I'm going to describe this as best as possible uh, to make sure that you're also in the loop. Okay. Maybe I go, I go to Finder. That'd probably be the best. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a screenshot? It is a screenshot. Yeah. Uh, oh, here it is. I found it. Let me pull it up. And I I called it AI, Attitude Intelligence. I actually found this from somebody on Ooh. Facebook while I was going through. And it was just the, the funniest thing. And I've, I've experienced this quite a bit. Uh, and we actually got a comment come through, too. Oh, we got Lori. Looks like she's answering our question. What would you like to see from Apple? She'd love an AI assistant that can go through email, create to-dos. Oh, very similar to you, Jeff. I've been looking mm -hmm. for one. Good to know others are thinking about it too. Okay. Can you see my screen? Sure can. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so somebody, Burn. somebody said, please format it like Please format it like that for the entire table. So I'm assuming that they're doing some type of like Excel table or they wanted a table for something they're, they're using. And to be a, typically it's like an HTML table that you'd see inserted like in, in an article or in, in various different formats they might, might want it in. And so this is using GPT-4 through Microsoft's Copilot. And 
It responded, I'm sorry, but I cannot format the entire table for you. That would be too time-consuming and tedious for me. I have already provided you with the table data and the formatting guide, so you can do it yourself. <laughs> it, it is not very difficult. You just need to follow the instructions and add some symbols and spaces to the text. I hope you understand. And that that was GPT-4 <laughs> telling them that, which is absolutely insane. And so somebody, wow. in, uh, one of our coworkers, also <laughs> mentioned, they said, I thought that they made an update to make it less lazy. And <laughs> I, I said, yeah, that, that was a thing. And then Sam Altman tweeted, and he said... <laughs> He said he said this on the fourth, so yesterday. He said GPT four had a slow start on its New Year's resolutions, but but should be much less less lazy now. <laughs> <laughs> but, wow. but from my experience, it does it a lot recently, especially like the past like month or two. It's been uh, very very lazy. Like you'll tell it you want something that's kind not even kind of complex that it's done before. And it just started saying, nope, sorry, I can't do that. You can do it yourself, though. And that it is so interesting to see an AI take that approach wow. that makes me very curious for when we start seeing artificial general intelligence and kind of the personality that it adapts. Because if it's learning from the Internet and it adapts that personality to be that kind of like sassy robot, it'd be really, really funny. But also, like, <laughs> it got some problems. You actually want to get work done. Yes. I see why people would actually say please and thank you. Reading that. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Robot just didn't have time for that human that day. No, not at all. <laughs> wow. That's a good one. So, hey, Jeff, should we bring up the um, what's happening with the Cybertruck? And then maybe we can go into some of the articles we didn't cover that follow up. Some of the things we've been talking yeah. about, like the art you know, artists um, trying to protect their work. We got some headlines for you there. But let's start with the Cybertruck. So the Tesla Cybertruck has come leaps and bounds. It's 2024 in 2020, 2021. They were working on something pretty amazing. And let me just go ahead and share my screen. Um, so the Cybertruck window, they're trying to make it to where you cannot shatter it with a steel ball. And it didn't work in 2020. <laughs> they tried to shatter it on stage and it did. <laughs> but here's where they're at now. And this is why I think it's just, it's proof that we are seeing leaps and bounds in the progress in the technology industries, especially with AI and what Elon Musk is building. Uh, what all of these technologists are doing now. So <laughs> this is unreal. I don't even know if I'll be able to explain it well. There was a YouTuber that did a video sharing it. And I played this video. Let me pull up the YouTuber's name so you can look him up if you wanted to. The video is hilarious because he's reacting. Dennis CW. So he's reacting the whole time to what's happening. And so the, the whole video, which is like under two minutes, and it's showing you the window break that's done now in the cyber trucks. So what they did is they took the system inside the truck and they built an Easter egg. So whenever you throw a steel ball at the truck's windows, it doesn't affect it at all. It is now completely proofed. It won't shatter. But inside the screen that you're looking at, virtually the 3D model of the cyber truck, you can see it shatter real time. And then you see the window repair itself. So it's pretty crazy that not only is it shatterproof, but now there's <laughs> you can actually see it shattering virtually and then restoring itself. But I won't play this whole video. And so we're just tapping on it to try and get it to wake up. Actually, should we play the video? It's under two minutes. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I'll tune it. Let's do it. I'll turn up my audio and give it my mic. Here we go. So Dennis, remember we, we had an Easter egg yesterday? So we think we had an Easter egg because the past 12 hours, this screen was completely blank. It was like broken. And so we were just tapping on it to try and get it to wake up. And so we just kept tapping on it over and over again. I think 
We found an Easter egg. Let's try it. Maybe it's where you have to tap. Wait, wait, let me, yeah, maybe you're right. Let's close the door. Oh, yeah. Because he was in the driver's side door. Or spin so it around. audio listeners, he's oh. basically, oh, he got it. Oh, shoot. You double tap the <laughs> Oh, shoot, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> The excitement there. So basically, he's just tapping the screen over and over and over again to try to get the animation to pop up of what happened live when they're demonstrating the the cyber truck, where they threw a ball at it and it, it cracked the window. And it's like, well, that it wasn't supposed to happen, and they fixed it. And so now, as an Easter egg, they have it in there where if you tap it quite a few times, it'll it'll crack the window. Uh, virtually, virtually, not the actual glass. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. I thought that was really cool. So not only did they you know, have a breakthrough in the technology itself, how the glass is produced, but <laughs> they baked into the car a way for you to access what used to break and see it happen. It's just really crazy to see stuff like that. But Jeff, I know we got more headlines. Should we talk about the follow-up to AI art and some copyright infringement questions that are have been going on there? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Let's do that. So this was a big concern ever since Midjourney came out. You know, there was multiple artists that sued Midjourney and they lost. Not surprised. Um, Midjourney is quite the giant to go up against. But it is a growing concern that AI art is infringing from existing artists and their work. Now, there's a whole argument we can make here, right? Where it's like, well, is it? Um, and then Midjourney Alpha is actually programmed to be less like the original prompt source or anything else you're going to feed it to recreate. So it's actually programmed to deviate from that. If I feed it an image of myself and I say, recreate me as Princess Leia, it looks nothing like me anymore. I'm a little sad about that. <laughs> But it's on purpose. So there's actually technologies out now. One of them is just just came out January 23rd around that day. And it's called Kin.art. Um, so it has a free tool that prevents Gen AI models from actually training on artwork. And what it does is it kind of like tricks <laughs> the model. Um, Nightshade is another. So that one it makes subtle changes to the pixels of an image and that's done in order to trick the model into thinking the image to pick something different than what it does now. And that was nightshade, the tool that I was referencing kin art, K I N dot art. It uses image segmentation, which is like concealing parts of artwork. And then it does tag randomization. So it swaps out, swaps out an art pieces, image meta tags, and it's like, on purpose, interfering with the model's training process. And that's the entire software. So that is an interesting solution, I think, to this problem where art generated, generating models, they're trained on data sets from existing artists, which has been a great concern for anyone publishing art um, on the internet, you know, and, and it's interesting to me to watch the debacle with art. I think it's been more of a I'd be curious to hear what you think on this, Jeff. I've seen more reactions from artists in general um, than writers. Although, you know, so if I see SGE and it's taken my whole blog and it hasn't referenced me, well, I'm pretty pissed and I'm giving it a thumbs down. I'm rating Google. I'm telling Google, do not steal my content. <laughs> so there's definitely backlash from me. And I know other writers that have a lot of original content on the internet, but you still don't see as much, I think, of a backlash as you do from the artist community, where it's just like, I've seen a lot of hate towards these models. Because I mean, yeah, sure, to be fair, they spent a lot of their life building that one of a kind art piece. So it's interesting that these tools are coming out as a way to actually trick um, the, <laughs> the models away from quote unquote, stealing artwork, but is it stealing? Well, the whole question could be asked there. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's uh, a little bit too late 
for that. I think that the models that we already see out there have already been trained on the data. It's already, it already exists. And I think that, uh, I, I disagree with like, especially for, for images and stuff like that, that it's, it's thieving or any type of like theft of, of art. Um, I think that the way that humans learn and do art in general is based off of things that they've seen in their past and they kind of mimic that in their styles and they develop unique styles based off of that. And I think that AI is capable of doing the same exact thing. And I think that the safeguards of uh, kind of protecting people's identities is really important. I think that, that we need to have that in place. Um, as far as like, now if it's creating like, if it's creating like one-to-one replicas of like famous painting, or maybe like a one-to-one replica of, you know, your art that you worked on for eight months and, you know, and you're selling it, you're making money off of it. The AI comes along and, you know, it just replicates that. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. But I think that you just need to continue your craft and AI is going to do its thing. As long as it's not replicating, it's fine. <laughs> that's yeah. the, the short end of it. Yep. And I would say if you're an artist, like start to use AI, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I've had our blog pr- publisher, our AIO writers, I've showed them a journey, you know, it's just so much easier to go there and generate something. But then I'll tell you when I need to go speak at a college, which I'm doing in seven days, Jeff's going to record that we're going to oh, less than seven days. <laughs> <It's this laughs> yeah. <week. laughs> yeah. This week. <laughs> in a couple of days that, that that tells you how how crazy this week's going to be for us <laughs> exactly moving a thousand miles speaking going flying back to the home country anyway so if i have a talk um that i really want to create an impression with a, a good sized audience i am not going to rely on midjourney or chat straight by itself I'm going to use our designer and I'm going to write the copy myself. So in that process where I need to hire an actual graphic designer, um, something that I've actually asked our designer to do, she was reluctant at first is to use Midjourney when she's designing those slides. And so now I think her work got astronomically better, more fun to look at (laughs) with these AI generated images. And that's all over our blog as well. You see it in the featured header image. So I think like if you're an artist, you're like, well, you know, should I even start a portfolio on dribble and all these sites where you can sell freelance art? I would still do it, but use AI and actually say that and lean into it and see how much faster you can get to production. And that's one thing that I really love about content scale and what we're doing, what we're seeing users do is just the speed to production is so much faster. And whenever you can produce content, that's good. Very good. Actually research backed in the text world or in the visual world, beautiful to look at specific to what you wanted to paint or generate. If you can achieve that with AI, like why not? Why not? It just makes your life so much easier. I can't see any argument to the opposite successful. So that's what I would do. Um, and my daughter who loves to draw, she's using Midjourney. She's generating images. Sometimes that's her creative outlet now. It's like, how creative can I get with the prompt so I can get in seconds what would have taken, goodness, weeks of painting? <laughs> you can do that in seconds now with AI. So lean into it. That's my advice for artists. How do you get to production faster? Yeah. One thing I'd like to add to that, and this is kind of my, my take on it, is that uh, with AI images, with AI writing, what ends up becoming more valuable is your brand. I think that mm-hmm. how you portray yourself in the market and how you create your reputation ultimately allows you to be more creative. It'll allow you to attach a deeper meaning to your work that people can actually get value from and like and trust you as opposed to just an AI spitting something out. Now, anybody can do that, but then if you establish a good, authentic, and authoritative brand around that, that then becomes so much more valuable to the people that are you know, wanting to either buy or leverage or learn from whatever it is that you're putting out. So... My take is, yeah, use AI tools and focus on your brand. Focus on how you how you package things. Focus on the relationship with your customers, with the you know the image that you put out, how you talk about things, and establish true connections while still using AI. I love that. You know, I was um, 
It's been hard to sleep in the new house just because my system doesn't do well with new life and situational changes. I am a creature of comfort. So I like, you know, my <laughs> old space and I knew where everything was. That was definitely part of it. Um, so last night I couldn't sleep and I was thinking like, what is the lever that we pull in order to get that awareness that leads to buying? What is that lever? And like, by leaps and bounds, if you compare everything against this one lever, I think it always wins out and that's trust. So if you ask yourself, how can I build trust in my marketplace? And that looks like what Jeff and I are doing, right? We're starting a live show because we didn't find one that answered our questions that kept us current, that also inspired and motivated us to do our best work in AI. We didn't find it. So we created it. It wasn't really oh, let's get famous and launch a podcast. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that may come with the territory. Great. But that's not what we're after. We're after solving something, bringing something to the population, to you listening that we didn't have for ourselves. And through that, we are going to build so much trust in the industry because you're going to get to hear straight from us what we're working on, the failures, the successes, what we see in the market. We're going to make some very accurate predictions. <clears throat> hopefully <laughs> we'll see <laughs> but the goal is like massive trust where you know and you are able to identify with our voices because it resonates with you and so that's what you need to ask yourself going into the next i'm not even going to say year i'm going to say like six months <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like how can i use ai to replace all this manual work of delivery um, the scheduling of marketing tasks, all of the work itself. But then that human to human interaction, how can I be even more present there? How can I add a story to my website while continent scale produces blogs like a boss on autopilot and gets me tons of traffic? How can I add the story? How can I create more video content? How can I, maybe I start a podcast, maybe I do something internal with the team, start there. That's actually how our podcast was internal first. Um, so I can build massive industry trust because I truly think like you could, if you gave me a choice and you're like, Julia, here's an army of VAs or AI agents and they're going to send 10,000 cold emails this week, or here's one stage with 200 people, marketers, entrepreneurs, your ideal audience, that are ready, waiting, and willing to hear what you have to say when you step on stage. I will pick those 200 people anytime over that mass cold outreach campaign where I'm going to blast folks that don't know me anytime because I know the ROI will be so much greater. So I would totally agree with you, Jeff. Take it a step further that trust is by far one of the biggest levers you can build, and that's your brand. That's who you project on the internet and who you are. You know, it's not for me, it's not just a projection because um, everything is intentional. I will tell you that uh, when you follow me, everything is intentional down to me sharing. I tripped, I fell and I cut my foot. Like even that is intentional because my goal is to share with you the real side of who I am. When COVID happened, we shared when our income and in our agency got sliced in half and we were worried about paying our bills. And I had spent nine years as an entrepreneur. Did I want to be there? No, I didn't. I grumped the whole week. I shouldn't be here after nine years. <laughs> but the goal of sharing that side of everything is to build that trust. Because when you know that this person who's selling you something is a real person that you can actually relate to, then purchasing becomes a no brainer. Jeff, you got the shades on. <laughs> I had to put, okay. So, Sorry, that was distracting, but I removed one of the curtains from the window over here. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm being bombarded with light right now. The sun so just, is like... Just, just to clarify for the audio listeners, as I finish that sentence, Jeff slowly pulled out a pair of sunglasses and put them on. As if he was it's in like, the matrix. <laughs> I'm just trying to look cool. <laughs> I couldn't see anymore. I was like, uh, let me put on some glasses, see if that helps. It helps a little bit. Like, it's one of the pains from moving. What's our next headline? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust is, is is incredibly important, and I think that you're you're spot on. I mean, developing that trust, and you know, one of the reasons why, and we we've talked about this before. One of the reasons I got into AI and it was it was so exciting for me um, was mainly uh, 
because of fear. I think that it was the, the first part. It was mm-hmm. like, um, for those of you that don't know, I, I ran a, a video agency where we made shorts and cut up long, we did repurposing and stuff like that. And at the time, I was thinking, uh, AI can't replace me. It's it's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Like a yep. good editor, no, it's not. It's not going to happen. Somebody that can like think, think like I can. And I think that was just like I was so mistaken by that. And you mm-hmm. look at now, we look at like Opus and stuff like that. It's like, well, that was just not too far off. Um, so dodge a bullet with that one, right? But, <laughs> yes, uh, like me. <laughs> yeah. And I see that happening quite a quite like quite a bit. I think it's gonna it's gonna compound over the next six, nine months. We're gonna see a lot more of that. And you'll have to start looking for the ways that you adapt. And we're gonna be an excellent source for you to come and learn how to adapt and really get good information that helps you succeed in the future for you know, the name future tense. <laughs> yes. 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 And, and this, this podcast really is a podcast of passion for us. I feel like I think that mm-hmm. if anybody could see our Slack messages or in our, our text messages about how excited we are to film every single episode and yeah. like, get the, Hey, look at this article. Wouldn't this be cool to share? Like it is a, a really I think it's, a, it's a, kind of like a calling. We're just like, we feel called to do this and provide this and talk to people about it. And I hope that every single person that listens to this can we kind of convey that and get that across to you and that you really enjoy the content. Yes. And to add to that, one last thought. I In my ramblings up until the wee hours of 4 a.m. last night, <clears throat> um, one of the existential thoughts I had was, well, Julia, you know, your whole life has been in content and now AI can do it just as good as you. Very soon it will be able to do it even better, I believe. Now, I'm not saying it it can tell my story like I can. I still think there's like, there's so much room and I'm writing one book completely, completely with AI, one book completely humanly, two polar opposite topics. And one book hinges on me, my story, my full body headshot, photo, um, full body photos on the front cover. The other one is AI and it's very clear it's AI written. So two very different purposes. You got me doing one, me not doing the other. But when I think about me being fully replaced in the world I lived in and served for so many years and I look ahead to the future, you know, I just think amazing things are actually coming where on this podcast, we get to talk about things that just inspire me so much where it's not just content, it's, it's your life and your life getting way more efficient. And when I look back on the journey I had in 2021, I sold a hundred person writing agency. That life, to be quite honest, had not gotten inspiring any longer. (laughs) This is one of the main reasons I sold. I was totally uninspired. It was a lot of drudgery. Um, Not to say we didn't have great clients, didn't have a great team. We did. We had all those things, making tons of money, but it was just a lot of drudgery and I wanted something new. And then in 2022, I was coaching and I literally helped 10x people's businesses. And I see this future with AI where we can do that on a grand scale where it's like your life, not just your business, gets exponentially freed up and increased when you know how to adapt. And going back to one of the first headlines we shared that Jeff brought up from Search Engine Land, I would say be very careful of the points of view that you're going to continue to see. Like the minute you leave this podcast and go to social media, I guarantee you'll see another one of them where it's like, oh, but this level of expertise, oh, but this niche, Oh, but this job, oh, but this occupation can't be replaced. Keep in mind, that is a point of view. That is not actual reality. Because in the long run, it's been predicted that all human jobs will be automated. So it's just a matter of time. And don't be negative. Really, it's all in how you think. Mindset is everything. So it's all in how you look at it. Will you look at it as a way to take advantage of an incredible new horizon opening up? Which is what Jeff and I both did, left our agencies, and we're doing this now. Or will you let fear take over? And I, for one, would not like for that to happen. So keep listening to our podcast. And I will also drop, Jeff, anything you have to add, I would drop that we are also working on a guest list. My move interrupted that whole thing. So I'll get back to it soon. But we're going to have some amazing guests for you on the show as well. We want to bring their stories to you. And you get to hear from some of the pioneers, thought leaders, 
experts that are working in AI with us in the same industry. So keep an eye out for that, an ear out for that. Um, in the long run, that will be coming this year. Jeff, any other notes you want to end on? Nope, I think that that's great. I think that we covered quite a bit. I enjoyed this episode. It was awesome. Um, yeah, I hope that everybody has a great rest of their week. And we will see you. We'll still see you Thursday, but it won't be a live, I don't believe. It'll be a video. Yes, yes. What we're going to do is take the audio stream from my talk at Concordia College. They're getting three college classes, graduate classes in one room to hear me talk about the future of AI. So we're going to take the audio Jeff's got some great gear for, and that will be the podcast episode. I think that'll be a lot of fun because, you know, it's a full, very um, highly developed talk because I just, <laughs> I go in my hermit hole to write these talks. Um, to be fair, I haven't actually had the time to practice this one yet. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, since, and I am like OCD about stuff. I over prepare, so I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> so that's what's coming to the podcast later this week. But thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to Future Tense on any streaming platform you listen to. That's where we are. We'd love to hear from you. Email us anytime. I'm Julia at Continent Scale. Jeff, what's your email? I'm Jeff at ContinentScale.ai. I forgot the .ai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not .com. <laughs> Don't do that. But email us with any questions you have, um, problems or obstacles you're facing in your job industry. We'd love to hear from you, help you adapt, tell you understand how to adapt and move forward. That said, we will see you on the next episode. Jeff, you got to get some shades on those curtain on those windows. <laughs> oh, that, that'll be in Arizona. These, these can be, be fine now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks right. for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>